I'm stuck and been working on this book for 18 months. Uh, the book is due in four weeks. And I want to lay bare the fact that as a person who has lived, you know, 20 creative lives <laughs> and as someone who writes on the topic, speaks on the topics, you know, stands on stages and talks about the topic that I too still experience it. What we used to talk about was if you are not sick of a project when it nears the end of that project, you did not go deep enough. And mm. I can't say I'm sick of the book, but I am. I'm grinding hard to make it the best. And so it gets really, really hard before you hand it in. And if it's not, I think then you probably didn't go deep enough, didn't ask hard enough questions, didn't push yourself enough. So it sounds like you're intellectually, like you're, you actually feel like you're on track. Like this is a normal part of the pain of the last part of the process. And the struggle is just the forgetting wow, this really actually sucks. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I wish it were over, but I have to do the work to, to make it over. And yes. I, I kind of wish that it was easier. Hey, 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 what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the show. Today's show is a special one. One of my new favorite kinds of shows. As you know, we're experimenting with some formats. We've always had the guest format where I have a uh, game-changing, elite-performing, one-of-a-kind human being on uh, to talk about a new project or some insight that they have. And then you have the micro-shows where I'm talking a small, you know, potent dose of something that I'm working on or learned or that I've written about or want to write about, something that's important and near and dear to me. And then this kind of a show, what today's show is, today's episode, is a friend episode. Also incredible humans, as you might imagine, my friends are awesome people. In this particular episode, it's my dear friend, Christopher Gerard. But the concept behind these episodes is someone I've been friends with for a really long time. You know, in this case, 20 plus years. And the goal of these episodes is to have a little bit more intimate conversation, uh, you know, where I know something a little bit more about this person and this person, you know, and I have, we go way back such that we can turn ourselves and our lives and uh, you know, inside out on some compelling topics. The compelling topics for today's show, uh, I am in peak delivery mode, uh, deadline for my next book. And I'm sharing the stress that I'm under, the ways in which I feel stuck and or am experiencing a lot of the same things that you feel like when you're under a lot of pressure at work. I'm trying to, you know, basically pull back the curtains a little bit that despite writing about these things and being a lifelong creator and entrepreneur, uh, and just generally, you know, busy, excitable human that I'm in it just like you are. So uh, I reveal a lot of the, the challenges, what I am doing to subvert those challenges. And that segues into a, a second half of the show, which is really around one of the things that I do. I, I, I detail what I'm going through and how I get out of it, but also one of the big things is play and Gerard, Christopher Gerard, my dear friend from outside, he works at outside Inc where he is in charge of the, the creative studio and he's building an amazing new festival and outside the outside festival. So, uh, he, he is really focused on the concept of play right now, which ironically to the twist of all this, it's also a chapter in my new book. And we talk about play and the, the, the role, the very important role, we argue that it's as important as sleep, the role that play plays in both getting unstuck in the way that I'm sharing I'm stuck, getting unstuck, and to living a rich, fulfilled, happy life. So again, yours truly, my dear friend, Christopher Gerard, we talk about all this stuff and more on the, today's episode. I'm going to get out of the way and let you enjoy 
the show. Thanks very much. All right, it's a friend episode. I got one of my dear close friends, Christopher Gerard, in the house. Buddy, welcome back to the show. As a, I don't know, you've been on a few times. We've had some interesting conversations. The fans are requesting more intimate, in-depth conversations co-hosted by yourself. So here we are. It's good to be back, Chase. Look at Thanks, how chill you are. What happened? What, what you just like, <laughs> dude? Send out right there in your garden. All these plants behind you, looking looking comfortable. Yeah, it's a few days before the holidays here, and um, yeah, trying to lean into it. But really, it really excited to be back with you. Uh, I've missed our conversations, man. Yeah, I'm, I know. I'm a fan of the fan of the pod. You know, uh, <laughs> I love that episode with TA. Just listen to that. Um, oh, the one about uh, like how to decide if your business is uh, needs funding, or we we've had, we've re- recorded a couple. And what Gerard is referencing is uh, one of our mutual friends, T.A. McCann, has been on the show. We did a little mini series around entrepreneurship because he runs a venture fund and a, and a, a venture studio helps people decide if they should take funding and if so, what kind, and then helps them build amazing companies. So. You, you were probably referencing one of those. There's like three of them. The, the most recent one uh, that you posted in any case, which was, I think, maybe the first in the series. Um, but you you talk about frameworks a lot. Of course, with TA, it's all about frameworks. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I've used that it was that he he gifted me was, you know, important things we're not doing yet. Yeah. Um, I one of his, yeah, I one of his funny acronyms, uh, which I've used in, in my businesses, um, frequently because it's, 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 you know, we like shiny things, right? Yeah. Um, maybe especially you and me. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> I lo- I, the, the podcast is, is coming along great, man. Like, I think it's, uh, it's just so packed with value, even as someone who knows you really well, like I, I, I really do enjoy listening to it. So good work. Well, it's super fun. You know, I have expanded the footprint of the show to include a couple other formats, this format here where uh, we go in, in depth on a handful of things that are, um, it would be difficult for me to talk about uh, without someone with whom I have a long, you know, 20 plus year history. That's why I'm starting to call these things sort of friend episodes or I don't know. um, That's a terrible name, but we can, we can upgrade (laughs) that later. Uh, Did CA think of that name? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Inside joke there. He's terrible at naming things like Itindi, for example. Um, but the, you know, the the show for however many for fifteen years was just interview based. Then we started introducing these micro shows, and now this is arguably another format. But the goal with the format is to talk, you know, to hear really unguarded conversations with uh, between two close close friends who have been working in the space of creativity and entrepreneurship building community, um, peak performance, you know, we've been working on these things together for a long time. We have like worked very closely together. Um, you know, I hired you or you started out, you hired me as a contributor to the platform you were building as a, uh, you know, it's free skier and snowboard magazine. Then, you know, some five or 10 years later, I hired you, you ran, uh, the business unit here at Chase Jarvis Inc., helped us grow and expand through that time of, you know, radical transformation. Now you're at outside magazine building again and back to having hired me to help, you know, consult and help grow and work with you on a bunch of things. So it's been a really fun, you know, um, 
I don't know, give and take over the last 20 something years. And we do have some insights on one another's experiences that is the foundation of why I wanted to get us together today um, without going too far into the uh, a, an outline, if you will, what we want to talk about and what the folks at home should know is that this episode is about things that we believe are important that do not get enough discussion, uh, either culturally or certainly in um, in our lives. And so we're looking to have an opportunity to have that. Specifically, I am, as many people know, um, working on a book right now, and I shared with you that I'm stuck and been working on this book for 18 months. Uh, the book is due in four weeks. And to say stuck might be a little bit of um, overemphasizing that, but I want to lay bare the fact that as a person who has lived, you know, 20 creative lives <laughs> in, you know, with a double entendre intended there, um, and as someone who writes on the topic, speaks on the topics, you know, stands on stages and talks about the topic that I too still experience it. And so we can talk about how I'm stuck, what I'm doing to get, get through it. Um, and then there's another sort of what I would consider transformative aspect of the antidote to stuck, which is play. And you have a fascinating uh, thesis, some new insights based on some stuff that you've read and some of your own experiences. And ironically, that's one of the things that's in my book. So there's a lot of stuff to sew together here. Um, I, I don't know. I want to get you your comment on that because I just you know rambled for uh, three and a half minutes there. No, I think, it, I mean, it, it, again, we channel our friend CA like, well, the framework of this episode will be, we're stuck in how we get out of being stuck. Uh, and and probably not so much that it, as just a conversation around it, but certainly the feeling of whether you say like a, it's the hamster wheel or it's, uh, you know, not just being able to to move into that flow. Yeah. Right. I mean, another friend of ours, like Stephen Kotler, a lot of, a lot of work on flow and how to get into flow. And when you hit it as a writer or a photographer or a business person or, and you get, you know, 10 times, um, the work done in a shorter period of time when it's, it's working Yeah, and versus when, you know, it's just staring at the blank page and maybe going back for another snack or you know, whatever, whatever the, were you the, watching me yesterday? Right. How, yeah, how did you know well, I did that? I, I have been around you while you, <laughs> you know, uh, Founder. I, I think of all of those, uh, all of those sessions around, for instance, like you mentioned, just speaking like those sessions we would have on building, um, reinventing your presentation over and over and over. And sometimes that like happening really easily. And sometimes us being up in a hotel room until four thirty, like you know, what have we gotten done? Um, and the, the frustration with that. So, yeah, I think everyone can relate um, to to feeling stuck. Uh, and I think it's a good topic. I, I don't. I wouldn't purport to have any solutions. Truly, <laughs> I think it's it's part of the. I mean, and even yeah. Butler says that, right? Like that yeah. struggle is part of the, the, the pattern or the progression, I should say, to getting into a state of being, uh, in flow or, you know, really getting, uh, you know, Rick Rubin would say like connected to like the, 
to the higher source or, or yep. whatever. Right. Um, yep. it doesn't just, you can't just flip that on and off. I've heard you say that too, like as a, as someone who's really in the creative space, you know, and have been for your whole career, we've worked with a lot of brands together, like that idea. And I, and I really did learn this from you working with other, whether it's athletes or, or photographers or filmmakers, or, you know, even musicians a little bit, maybe it'd be like the cleanest uh, example of people who are on demand performing yeah. creative, right. And have to turn it on and off uh, for their business. And that is until you've had to, had to do that, like quite literally like be on stage. Yeah. It's uh, it's really uh, it's not possible. I, I don't know to turn it on and off. Like you can be practiced yeah. and you can kind of do your show. Right. Yeah. But there are moments where there's inspiration and it really like shows. And that is not, um, I mean, everyone's working on that. Like how sure. do you get more of that? So it's interesting yeah. to hear that you're feeling stuck right now yeah. in your writing process. I, I don't yeah. know anyone who's written books who, has said, Oh, it's like so easy. <laughs> you know, I, I got to think Ryan, I was talking to Ryan holiday not too long ago and he sure makes it sound easy. He's what is he at? Like 13 or nine or something. Like yeah. That. But, but it's, it's yeah. in part because it's that repetition, right? He's done so many of it, the books, but I do, I do know that he has, you know, hit roadblocks and, uh, his, his, uh, response is like, what do you do when you, what is it? What do you do when you get, um, what is it? It's not like you get runner's block, he says, right? What do you do? You just go for a run. Like that's how you get unstuck. So by extension, what is writer's block? Well, you just actually write and you write whatever is on your mind. And, you know, that is a process or part of a process in Ryan's words for getting unstuck. I, I want to maybe back up a little bit and, give slightly more context to where I'm at in the process, specifically what I'm stuck on. I think it's interesting to explore. There's a whole universe of ways where I don't places creatively where I don't get stuck. And those are close to closer to where I have achieved mastery. Um, when you said show and turning it on and off, uh, not dissimilar to this show or a keynote speech from a professional who shows up to do their job, a plumber doesn't get stuck, Right. Until they do, apparently, but they still have to show up and fix your sink. So I was uh, reminded of The Morning Show, and it's an incredibly well-written show um, on Apple TV. Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Billy Crudup, a handful of others. That it's, it's, a, it's an interesting show. I find it the writing to be exceptional. Uh, but what it is, is it's the people that, who anchor the national morning show. There's the characters and, you know, they might actually be fighting right before like three, two, and you're live. And then they both like go, Hey, welcome to the morning show. And there, you know, so there's, there is an element of professionalism and that is the most extreme example. Right. Um, the, the kind of stuck that I'm talking about though, is the, you're on the journey in a creative project and this, you know, it could be writing a book or working on a photo shoot or developing a play or building a business because you and I both built businesses and you, you come up against walls and you're like, shit, I don't know how to get over this hurdle. We need bigger distribution. We need a larger footprint. We need, you know, more 
staff to do the work. We need, there's all kinds of pressures. The kind of, that I'm talking about specifically is the last part of a, any project, this project I've been working on for arguably five years, because that was, you know, four years, I guess, since the last book. When I was writing Creative Calling, I knew that there was another book in there. If Creative Calling is about sort of exploring your own creativity, and at the end of the book, it really kind of points to that 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 creativity with all of the small C, all the things that we do on a small daily creative basis. It really points to creating capital C, which is that's what this next book is about for me, creating a life that you love. And there is actually an art to it, and I would argue it's the most important, you know, creative act that we will do. And working on this for 18 months and it's the last, I mean, to be fair, there's another six months of creative grinding on this thing, but you get to turn the book in and it's like turning in the first draft to the publisher to get what's called acceptance. That is four weeks away uh, to the day. And it's the hardest four weeks because you're deciding what's in this book and what's not in this book. And it has to be, I want to impress my publisher. It has to be good. And there's a time crunch, there's holidays, there are uh, things, there are problems that are completely unresolved in the book. And I, I'm very frustrated, <laughs> mm. very, very frustrated. I sit down to work on it and sometimes my brain, it just does not work. And I also noticed, I think what maybe people, hopefully this is not revealing too much, but that I notice that the routines that I have historically considered pretty bulletproof, you know, my cold water every morning, my, you know, sleep habits, my, how much I, you know, eat and, or drink and, or, you know, stay out late and, or they're falling apart. They're breaking right now. And what I know to be true is that when that shit is hitting the fan, that is actually when you should be doubling down on this stuff. So there's this awareness and then there's sort of a beating up process or like, you know, so I only meditated for 10 minutes this morning instead of 20 because I was late to get out the door to come down to the studio to make a couple calls before recording. Our, you know, it was just like the, <clears throat> all these things, they compound on one another. And I want to share that, hey folks, I'm just like you despite being a professional and I don't know what to do right now. I mean, I, I kind of do, <laughs> but I'm looking for some advice. Um, maybe you can share a time where you've, you've been stuck or we can take this wherever you want. Yeah, I haven't had that. You know, I haven't written a book, so I can't, um, I can't speak to that specific framework that you're, you're in. Um, but how many magazines think, have you published <laughs> that were yeah, that all had deadlines? Of, you know, right. And done some writing stuff. And, you know, I, I guess we're, and even as you said, in building stuff, right. In building things with other human beings, being stuck with people like, man, just this, why is this not working between us? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and my instinct on it is is work right like it's i think the holidays uh analogy of of running is so good right where it's like you you just sometimes it 
hurts and it doesn't, if you went out for a 10 mile run and you quit at six and, um, which I'm not doing any of that right now, by the way. So I'm kind of like you in that <laughs> regard, but like, like I'm talking like I'm some big runner. I'm not, I'm just saying like, that, you know, that using that as analogy, it, that, that the, the, dis, I guess it's discipline, right. Mm-hmm. Is where I would distill that. Um, yeah. another thing that Ryan Holiday's written a lot about, um, that, that routine and process is, it's not, my experience hasn't been that that like, is the the quick solution often not the quick solution but i also am sort of like what else do you do like we'll talk about play like do you play do you pray do you work you know i mean (laughs) there's not that many things that you you know meditate pray um uh, go play golf uh go to a concert you know find creative inspiration uh let it flow in a direction that is like the discipline to allow yourself the space. Um, You know, all those are not massive new insights, but um, I found them probably the one I go to most is just go to work. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. Yeah. Chop wood, carry water. um, And eventually something emerges. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially um, there, there's a couple of, I think there is two sorts of lenses to put on this. One is there is an actual deadline that is the 15th of January where I'm turning a thing, handing a thing in. And so I, the temptation to me, that's one thing. And another thing was just like kind of stuck in life and there are no ultimate deadlines. Like you are your own deadline and you, you feel stuck and you want to get going. So those are a little bit different and I operate, I think they're a little bit different and maybe it could be useful to explore the, the, the potential differences in them as a, as a way to, to get unstuck in either solution. Cause I know that people are listening and watching right now um, would, I'm, I'm guessing that a high percentage fall in one of those two camps and the, the, to me, they're slightly different. The solution when you are on a deadline and you have a thing to turn in is that small, lightweight, like stepping away to try and, you know, find a crack. To me, changing something is valuable because not working, and, and I'm saying that changing something in honor of the deadline that you've got trying to sort of break free, you're, you're going, you know, you know, south to north, south to north, south to north, and it's just a brick wall. Well, let's go east for a little bit before we go north. And so what is that little shift moving east? Because the goal is to deliver the piece and to do it on a deadline like a professional. And so doing more of the thing that's not working to me is Mm. foolish, but it is working. Like, I think that's the difference to me. Versus this other universe where you're stuck in life and you're, there is no deadline, imminent deadline. Then to me, my go-to is not trying to find a way up, down, and around. It's literally to go like like 90 degrees left. Just go. And, and to me, this is go explore, play, try and put yourself. I like the word tinker. I think it's an excellent word that describes the getting unstuck when there is no imminent deadline. I don't know mm. if you think so. You, if you, if it's you kind of like the, you're, if I'm understanding what you're saying, like there's the big stuck and there's the finite stuck. Yeah. There's the, the, there's the work stuck. There's a project. 
that you're not on track. It's yeah. not flowing. Yeah. And then there's the something's not right. Bigger. Yeah. I don't, I don't like where I am. I'm stuck in a situation, a, a job, a life, a relationship, a whatever. That, yeah. Right. Right. A, a mentality, right. Um, yeah. That is not, not where you want to be. Yes. Right. Yes. The grass is greener some other place, maybe. Yes. Um, yeah. The, I no, I agree. Those two things are. I mean, one one could contribute to the other. For sure. For <laughs> um, sure. You know, without a doubt. Um, what you brought up was well. I will let me ask you that. Like, are those contributing to each other in this case? Like, mm-hmm. is or is this really like? Is this the finite stuck is the the situation that you have right now where you're like, I got four weeks and man, it's, it is, this is pulling teeth. This is is not, it is definitely to me that they are not currently related because I would say that the rest of my life is a flow state right now. After, you know, creative live was acquired. I did a year with Fiverr who is the acquiring company. That was very difficult. Um, I, I have managed to extract myself. I wrote a, a great, blog post where I think it was a great blog post and those subscribed to my email newsletter. It was a direct letter to those folks about like, isn't it bittersweet to, you know, you, to walk away from the thing you built for 15 years and served, you know, tens of millions of people and made hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm like, uh, no, not bittersweet, totally sweet. And I'm excited for the team and where it's going and whatnot. And I'm also excited right. to like, cool, this is your thing now. Um, I enjoyed building it. I know it serves a, an amazing purpose and I'm, I'm, you know, sweet. I'm on to the next thing. And, and so I've been in that mode and then I needed to rest. And I, you know, didn't talk really openly about resting, but that's what I was doing. I was largely like, you know, kind of a little inward journey. It coincided with the last, you know, year of the pandemic. And, and that took a lot longer than I thought. I don't think of myself as a low energy person. And then uh, like within the last 12 months, like, you know, tons of really exciting projects. I'm working on a TV series. I've got like, you know, another book and, and building a couple companies. So I would say my life, capital L is in a flow state. And this particular aspect, this particular project is, and I do believe that if what we used to talk about uh, at, at, you know, the company internally here was if you are not sick of a project, when it nears the end of that project, you did not go deep enough. And mm. I can't say I'm sick of the book, but I am, I'm grinding hard to make it the best. And so it gets really, really hard before you hand it in. And if it's not, I think then you probably didn't go deep enough, didn't ask hard enough questions, didn't push yourself enough. And I don't know if that's a, if that's so real. it sounds like you're intellectually, like you're, you actually feel like you're on track. Like this is a normal part of the pain of the last part of the process yes. and yes. the struggle is just the forgetting wow this really actually sucks um <laughs> and i'm gonna you know and and i wish it were over but i have to do the work to to make it over and yes i i kind of wish that it was easier um which yes. sounds pretty normal um are you are you uh, breaking out of, are you playing, you know, are you doing things that, uh, you know, have you gone to a 
to go see great music? Have you, have you, uh, tried to find some joy and inspiration that knocks you out of that feeling of like, Oh man, I'm staring at a blank page. And that's my, my life right now is waking up every day underneath the weight of what needs to be done in the next four weeks. I think that this is the grand awakening. This is the cycle that we're in. And as a professional who writes and thinks and talks about this, my, you nailed my mental state. Like intellectually, I understand a, I will get through this B it is part of the process. Um, I trust that because I've been here so many times before that I will be able to push through. And this is a, I believe this is a muscle. This is a skill. All those things are true, and I still find myself going, WTF, aren't, like, haven't we done this enough that this is a muscle that is really, really, you know, developed? Which, to me, the, the, the difference is I, have, I do not get this visually, photographically. I do not, because that is an area where I believe I have achieved mastery. I do not go to a photo shoot and get stuck. I can, you know, be trying an idea and it doesn't work and then go to something else and go to something else. And it is all that is, it is far, I would say I am, uh, athletes, you know, I think it's, what is it? Um, we have, we have focused indifference, indifference, indifference. And like, I'm not attached to the outcome. I just show up on a, if, if it's a, a golfer, he'd just swing my club. You know, Kobe, Kobe Bryant would want the ball at the end of the game, whether, and he's going to shoot it, whether he makes it or misses it. He'd like to, his preference would be to make it, but there's this indifference. And I have that in photography, but I do not have that in writing. And I'm, I know there are mm. all sorts of other areas where I wonder I, <clears throat> that's interesting. I wonder if it's, you know, like you said, the cycles, like thinking about how many photo shoots you've done, how many photos you've taken, and your internal understanding that you have, if you looked at your body of work, you would have, uh, you would be able to very easily rank like, well, that's the top 10 bit of work. That's like kind of my middle. That's, that was like not my best work, but we did my, I did my best, but it just wasn't my best work. I'm sure that Stephen King looks at his body of work and feels the same way. And probably, like, I think it's a really interesting concept, what you just said, professional indifference. Is that what, that's what you said? Focused, um, focused indifference. Fo- focus indifference. Like, it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. And you're probably, in terms of being an author, while you, I don't, you've done a lot of books, but these last, t- this one and the one previous are your most sort of concentrated, potent pieces of writing. The no yeah. photos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right in there. Right. Um, and there's probably a lot tied up in that for you. Like yeah. you're not known as a, as a, you're not Ryan holiday. You're not Stephen King. You're Chase Jarvis. Like you, photo book, you probably would have that focused indifference. Yeah. Uh, but a piece of writing, you know, there's a lot more um, probably for yourself. You're, you're more, you're scrutinizing your output in a way that is not indifferent because yeah. you have fewer pieces of, professional work to compare it to you have one book that did really well people loved it was professionally rewarding it was successful like that's the that's the classic i mean jimmy told me that one time when you know after uh 
I think after Mayru, in fact, you know, I think it was like Ridley Scott came up to him and was like, so what are you doing next? You yeah. know, oh, by the way, this is Jimmy um, Chin for those who don't know. When, when we throw right. the name Jimmy around, it's Jimmy Chin, the director uh, of free solo, for example, in addition to a bunch of other, you know, accomplished work. He, yeah. That, that, uh, yeah. Jimmy Chin, um, Academy award winning Jimmy yeah. Chin. Um, <laughs> uh, but he wasn't an Academy award winner at this point, And he, I think in a similar way, it was like, wow, the pressure of creating something next after you've created something that was really, really hard. And, you know, you could kind of rest there for a second, but then there's you, maybe you give yourself that expectation or other professionals are putting some expectation or your, your audience is putting some expectation on, well, the last book was great. This one's got to be better. Um, and I, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I'm sure that that's part of what is happening to you at this last, like you yeah. said, you want it to be good. Um, yeah, and I'm, it's not to say that you don't want your photography or your photo shoots for your, your clients to be great. Um, but you also know that, you know, that you can do an output that is going to be professionally at the standard and no one's going to be like, what is this chase? Like, yeah. the, you, the, yeah. you know, this is amateur the floor, hour, right? The floor for that yeah. is undeniably high. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's a baseline yeah. that is much higher. And I think it, it has to do with the reps, right? It's right. just, as you said, you've been there thousands of times. And, you know, I don't know what the photo shoot equivalent of writing books, like when, when does writing a book, you know, does, when does, when do you get better or more comfortable? There's some N number of reps in there where you start to get, ideally you start to get more comfortable. And so I'm thinking about how does this extrapolate to the people out there in the world who are listening? Like, first of all, I want them to know it's that, you know, I'm trying to be transparent here. Like, okay, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me. I write about the shit and it's still hard, but what? You know, I, I think as I'm actually aware of this and my wife and I, Kate, were talking about it this morning, you and I were, you know, kicking it around prior to recording the show today. I think it would be helpful for me to say the things that I am actually doing. And so this is, there's a, there's an, the intellectual awareness I have shared that through this process, I would say I have become increasingly aware of the increasing pressure over the last month. And now I am maximum pressure within a month and I'm engaged in the project and my meditation schedule is breaking. My sleep schedule is terrible. I'm waking up at four in the morning, can't go back to bed. Um, I'm eating like trash. I'm eating like a 14 year old in a candy store. Um, and so I am aware that as I head into this last four weeks, I am trying to use today's recording as the bit flip mm. as the cool my i am at peak awareness because i have community that i can reach out and connect with my wife kate you others and tell them that it's hard ask for sort of ideas guidance um i'm going to change like just flip a bit and i know what for example, we sat down and we're no reading for the next, you know, eight, eight days, include through the holidays. And, you know, I've said how much I'm going to eat, how much I'm going to, how much alcohol will I consume over the holidays, knowing that I have to do, you know, mm. so there, there is, it's sort of the pressure has gotten intense enough that I'm like, okay, 
now it's like the the procrastination has reached a point where you have no choice but to apply serious discipline. Yeah. I think that is the 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 discipline kicked in. And I wouldn't call it procrastination because I've been doing the time, but I've been doing the time and not a lot of stuff has come out of it for me. So I But isn't isn't some of those aren't some of those things that you're describing I mean I guess it just depends on how you want to frame it, but I find I pr- procrastinate by doing some of the things that you're describing, mm. which is sometimes, you know, if your sleep is disrupted, then that's different. But if you're going to bed late because you're doing something else or you're, you're finding snacks because <laughs> finding snacks, you're just like, yeah, you you know, you are, you're like, Oh, that, you know, it's, it's kind of comfort. It's a solve, right? Like, yeah. um, it's a stress response I, for sure. Yeah, totally. It's, I think it is kind of procrastination to, to, to getting yourself in that structure of discipline and regaining balance. Like it sounds like you're describing a scenario where you're out of balance a bit, um, because of maybe because of the stress. Right. And, and that's that weird loop that you were describing earlier where stress leads to these responses of comfort, which leads to you being out of balance, worse sleep, worse nutrition, you know, not doing the things that you know, intellectually would help you. And, and you're all the while, like, you know, I'm going to have to get my shit together here pretty soon, (laughs) you know, like, but I still have a little time. Yeah. Right. Like I still have a little time. So maybe that's where you're at. Like you're at the point now where you're, creating mechanisms and maybe that's the takeaway is like, it's okay. Like the, yeah, no one is a hundred percent disciplined, but know where the, where the mechanism or the framework is where you're like, okay, I'm four weeks out now. Like it's time to find balance and, and apply some discipline. Um, and at the same time, anytime you do something really hard, like there's really no, that the whole concept of balance, right? Right. Like you're out of balance because it's, it's like you're in a build and it's going to be long hours and it, out of balance in terms of your time and your yeah. mind space is, is dedicated to this output. Um, and that leads to shortcomings in other places in your typically very structured disciplined life. What, well, I am making a list of things and I have a list that I've generated that over 10 years has never failed me, which is the list of, mm. you know, 10 daily habits. We've talked about it in a previous show. And when I'm doing those 10 things, I do not have the experience of not living an amazing like day-to-day experience. Well, can you give me a review on those 10 things? Uh, do you have them? These are 10 things that if I do them, I do not have the experience of not having an awesome day-to-day ex- human experience. One working in a controlled way on one big project. So here, this project that I'm listening right now is my book. Working in a concerted way that has a beginning, a middle and end, like, you know, getting up at six and writing until 7.30 and then going away for an hour and coming back. And I was like, what I'm just calling it is project support. So there's one major thing that I'm working on. And I, I put up time for that. That's thing one. Thing two, review my big life goals. I do not spend very much time here. This can be a 90 second to three minute exercise. Thing two, slightly different, but I do it at the same time, which is a visualization and a gratitude practice. This is also a three to five minute process that I do in the morning after meditation. Thing four, 
play every day. Thing five, be in bed for eight hours. That is not eight hours of sleep. This is so even if I'm under the covers for eight hours, but I only sleep six of them, I'm, I'm still, I got my shit together. The next one, meditation in the morning. I do transcendental meditation. There is an, uh, an equal one in the evening. I meditate in the evening. Those are two uh, basically bookends. Move my body. This is intentionally vague because I can go for a 30-minute walk and be thinking about all the things that I need to get do done or whatever. I can spin on the Peloton here. I can do push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups. You know, I have a little gym here at the studio. Some moving my body. Next one, 64 ounces of water or more. Eat on my food program. I tend to oscillate between uh, slow carb, which is Tim Ferriss's that he writes about in the four hour body. To me, that is where my body actually works the best. And that's not like no carbs, but it tends to be, you know, complex carbs, legumes, seems like that, and or paleo. Um, So those are basically whatever my program is there, stay on it. Zero to one glasses of red wine or tequila. So I have learned that my body responds just fine if I have zero or one, but not more of one of those two alcohols. So tequila, my body, it works really well. I do not get a glycemic, you know, a glucose spike and same with dry red wine. Um, so it's either a zero or a one. Um, and then strength training specifically. And this is set up for twice a week, not every day, because it's different than move your body. And how I landed on this one, again, this is like years ago, um, that my, I was, you know, running, I was getting sort of cardio and I was in sort of lightweight shape. Um, but without lifting heavy weights, deadlift, squats, bench, things like this, that my, I was losing muscle mass despite maintaining, you know, a reasonable physique and or health. And it turns out that muscle mass and bone density are, I think they're the single one in two best predictors of longevity for human life. Um, I think anyway, so. Mm -hmm. To me, there's like this long-term vision that I've got. So those things, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So those are the things. A couple of them kind of nested, right? Like a couple of them kind of nested within the, the like zero to one red wine tequila is like on your food program. Yeah. I just call those out specifically because I'm I'm prone to, oh, it's the holidays. Oh, man. (laughs) Like, a, it was, yeah, totally. There's so many excuses. Oh, man, I'm working really hard. Like, I I need an extra yeah, one tonight to help me I sleep. Can, and then you realize that you I get just, shit sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I deserve this. Um, okay, so right? so th- those folks, it may, it's not the first time I have shared this list. Um, hmm. But when I'm saying I'm flipping a bit, I'm basically just committing to going back to the thing that has worked for me. And there are a couple things on there that I feel like are worth diving a little bit deeper on. And one, I think all the other the meditation and all that and eating clean to me, that makes a ton of sense. I think 
working, setting out some plan to actually sit in front of a blank page, right? This is the, this in what I'm calling book support. Like this is the biggest project on my plate right now. And I am committed to working on it every day. And to me, that's worth talking about. And then the other is play, which is, I think, difficult for most people, especially when under a deadline, because it feels like you're wasting time. It feels like you're denying the thing that you're supposed to be doing. It feels like, um, you know, it feels like ignoring your responsibility or trading it for something that feels like you're procrastinating. So to me, it is interesting. I would like to explore that. Uh, I'm happy to talk about, you know, to me, that's a thing where you've shown up at today's episode with some interesting information there. Um, before we go to that specifically in and around play, any other questions about what I'm going to do to get unstuck? I think the professional, the personal professional awareness that I'm in this spot and that I do have a playbook. And I, I think what I took away from you is like, at some point you shift gears into like, okay, you got to stop fucking around here. <laughs> it's now you're in the go zone and you do need to flip that bit. So. Right. Like, I mean, deadlines are real. Why, like, why aren't you, why weren't you in this state four weeks ago and now you're done four weeks in advance? Yeah. There are uh, a few external factors that I don't feel like going into the um, specifically because um, they are things and events and humans that are external to me. But um, do you, I mean, you know, it was more broadly like, have you, or, you know, I guess is really just looking at your book history. Like, sure. have you turned in stuff early? Uh, yeah, I have turned, yeah, I have yeah. turned, turned things in early. Um, I think where the, the, what snapped for me most recently was the radical, uh, it's combination of sort of radical acceptance and, uh, what's Jocko call it? Um, radical ownership. Like I was aware, like, okay, cool. You know, there's some things that if, if everything sort of shakes out in, in the way I think it will, everything's going to be fine. This is four weeks ago vis-a-vis -vis eight weeks prior to deadline. And I'm like, cool. And then the, the um, universe delivered a set of things to me that were, I would call in the, the least optimized outcome of that four week period. So just a handful of things clicked into. And so my alarm bell was like, it started out four, eight weeks ago or four weeks before now, which is eight weeks before deadline. It was like, oh, that's a little, that's a blow. Oh gosh, that's another body blow. Oh shit. Mm. Okay, now we've got a stack. Now we've got a right. Yeah, and so now here I am, four weeks out, and it's sort of like radical ownership has kicked in. It does mm -hmm. not matter because I am professional. I will deliver on time. There are things that are outside of my control. It's sort of this, you know, what Ryan would talk about that space in Stoicism and or in Buddhism sort of this acceptance of how things are rather mm. than how you want them to be. You've eliminated expectation <laughs> and there's, you're focused on reality and you are saying there's a little space between what happened and what you do to reflect and say, cool, I know how to manage this. 
the, the way I manage this is I flip a bit and I go into this section where I do these 10 things religiously, regardless of what's coming out of the page. I sit there for eight hours in under the covers, despite whether I'm sleeping or not. I sit in front of the bank page or I, I type, even if it's gobbledygook. And it is in that doing hmm. where recovery, where work. And I might even say that's where some really good shit happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said the, the word uh, playbook, which I find interesting for the segue um, on the 10 things that you just described are a, are a playbook that you've put together over many years on what works best for you. Um, there's a lot of those with successful people, you know, their morning routines and, you know, and then life happens and, you know, uh, the old Mike Tyson, uh, quote, right? Like you get punched in the face with something right? and all of a sudden you're not meditating twice a day, Mm -hmm. like surprise, surprise. Right. So is it uh, fair to, is it, go ahead, keep, keep going. Sorry. There's a little hiccup. No, 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 you go, go ahead. I yeah. was going to say then, yeah. is, is it fair? Are you willing to share that, that you have two young children at home, for example? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, that's the, that's a great example of just, it never goes the way that you, yeah. you know, you planned. Um, and, and having to have some flexibility and I, I don't know if this is a, a, a typical trait, but you know, having like, for instance, how you run a photo shoot, there are some aspects of control, right? How you run a company, like it's one of the main things if someone came to you and said, Hey, Chase, I have this great company, I want you to run it, you would probably say, cool, I have to have control. Like I cannot, I cannot run your company for you. Or run almost anything successfully without me knowing that I ultimately have control. Um. So there's a thing with control there to a certain degree, right? For like, sure. you know, uh, we want to control that you, even your playbook of 10, you're controlling your environment, your inputs, because you know that if you do all those things, you get the best out- output and you have the data. And that's a, that's a, you know, an ideal scenario. Um, I think how we react to getting punched in the face and, and losing control or not being in control is a huge part of like the human experience that I am not good at and still <laughs> working at, you know, I mean, yeah. it, right. Like it's, it's, yeah. uh, I'm constantly reminded of how bad I am at it. You know, when things don't go the way or aren't tracking, um, according to my internal plan, and that can be my environment. It can be, I mean, it can literally be toys on the floor sometimes. Like that's not where I want those things. You know, right. look at, look at the environment you're in right now. Like I love your studio. I love working there when we work together. Um, I think your aesthetic and the way that you design things is beautiful and very controlled. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it brings for me and probably for you because your house is the same. Your magazine featured house, you know, is the same way, which is, uh, you know, I, and I love spending time in your spaces because design is such a big part of your, your approach. And I think that when you, you, you control your environment that way, it actually brings you peace, right? 
Like you feel comfortable. There's nothing to do. There's nothing, you know, you don't have to clean up the space. And I, I just think that that's an interesting, um, it's, it's an interesting part about all of, all of our approach in, like you said, things happen and being aware of your emotions is like such a huge part of, you know, even you flipping this over on, I'm stuck in being aware of taking the time to, to be able to assess that and say, well, what's going on? I mean, so much of the time we don't do that. We just kind yeah. of like keep bowling, bowling through and, um, or, you know, metaphorically or in reality, we throw a tantrum like a kid, <laughs> you know, and, you know, I don't like this. This isn't, this isn't for me. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's a, um, it sounds like that's been, that's, you know, like you said, without getting into it, but it does sound like that's part of the waterfall of where you're at right now is that yeah. some unexpected things happened in life. And, um, it's not simply that you were like, eh, I'm going to binge Push on Netflix out. instead of, yeah, yeah like, totally. yeah, there's working, not a, you know, there's not a universe where I'm like running the other direction from responsibility. And I think mm-hmm. to me that actually makes it more interesting because to, you know, kind of still have your shit together and realize that, you know, life throws you some curveballs. That's one of the reasons I wanted to, you know, sort of be vulnerable on today's episode and share that. Wow. Okay. You know, best laid plans have, you know, I've been punched in the nose and, you know, maybe there's something to that. Like it could be said that right now my time would be better spent writing. <laughs> than having this conversation very publicly. And to me, this is a little bit of play, right? This is right. part of like, there's an awareness that this is actually happening. I'm trying to share virtually in real time that it's difficult. And it is playful to me. The art of conversation is playful. Um, there's a little bit of comfort in seeking to, you know, share my situation with a close friend who's been through, you know, these moments before we, we have been you know, personally and professionally. Um, and, uh, and also it was intriguing knowing that one of the things, the chapters that I'm working on right now is around play. And you had shared with me this, uh, epiphany is probably not the word, but you, you, you were, you had some thoughts and you stumbled on an article. It resonated with you and I'm working on it. And it, it does largely help unlock some of the stuck and i think some of the stuck both a little bit in this small s stuck on a project as we talked about but certainly extremely valuable in the big stuck like life stuck and i know we've got people listening and watching that are in both camps so maybe you can take this time now to if you if you think it's timely yeah no let's to shift gears. yeah totally um yeah, and it could be a mechanism of of getting unstuck, like you said, in the in the small framework or the big framework. Mm-hmm. Um, I think certainly most people can point at, you know, if you were to be asked, like, what were the greatest times of your, what were the greatest days of your life, you know? And a lot of times, I think, you know, people point at their family and they point at at, at uh, successes or but a lot of times it is like, man, that was just so fun, right? Like I was, it's a, and, and a lot of times those moments might be epiphanies of sort of new direction, right? Um, and a, I think that that is this idea of, of like adult play. Like we, 
you don't have to explain to children like that they should spend time playing and doing nothing right um ex- exploring um but i do think it seems like uh maybe not so much in the in the paths that you and i have chosen whether that's out the outdoor business or the photography business like um you know the creative business i think does understand that creative inspiration is a playful process uh but so much of the world i think sees you know work as um noble and uh defining um meaning and that plays like frivolous right um yes that like oh what'd you do you know if you're like oh i were and i fall in this trap all the time like i really enjoy my work but to kind of to sometimes i think to the out of balance um insofar as is like kind of obsession over problems that need to be solved without taking the time to go play um whatever your play is right and uh like you said i just stumbled upon something there's a national geographic article in the most recent issue i've thought about this before but um it was just really timely i was like wow this is this is a an important concept in what in my life personally and what i do professionally to really pay attention to you know one of the quotes from this uh from this uh play researcher Stuart brown um in the article was um you know, the opposite of play isn't work, it's depression. So, Mm. you know, that like Mm. basically a way of saying play is totally necessary. And the article really dives into this. I mean, it gets so deep into like sleep is as, or or, or, sorry, play is as essential as sleep, right? That it is a, a, it, you know, and they dive into the science in terms of our, of our evolution, that play is part of the uh, evolutionary process of our species and other species in terms of like discovery, right? That, that playing with rocks on some level probably led to using rocks as tools, right? Which led Mm -hmm. to other new, you know, in, in the development of, of, of humans, Uh, we see mammals play. They, they use a lot of example of wolves, wolves, Wolves elephants, dolphins, Yep. Whales, um, uh, you know, certainly primates. Um, and that the, and dogs, you see this all the time, dogs, more powerful dogs, uh, bigger dogs, uh, you know, going prone, like, um, to, to sort of promote trust in play, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, where they could dominate if it was a, if it wasn't play, there would be domination and that that promotes trust within pack. And, um, that when you play with people, um, whether, however that, whatever that is. And I, I've seen this certainly in, in the outdoor sports that we enjoy, you know, when things become play, there's, there, the connections that are built between humans, um, are really, it's pr- pretty remarkable if you think of that versus just competition or yeah. just kind of excellence, right? Like, let's yeah. all go out and ski and see who's the fastest, right? Um, versus like, let's, play off of one another and riff off of one another. And certainly you could take that into, into art and music. And, you know, that, that, that idea of play is one that really promotes discovery and evolution. But we, you know, 
work-life balance, all the things we're talking about, I think that we tend to value work in this culture. Um, and I'm part of that and I don't, you know, I'm not lamenting it. I, 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 again, I, I, I think you and I have made decisions, um, throughout our career to, that kind of leans more towards work being something that we would choose as play also, right. That there's a, that those two things kind of mix a little bit, um, until they don't. And then pl- your play becomes work and I can say it's all confusing. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm in the process. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I am in the process at, at Outside Inc. At my role there is a more of an entrepreneur now, um, a, a build uh, of this new, really exciting gathering um, called the Outside Festival. And as such, I've really been paying a lot of attention to like all these really great festivals, whether it's Bonnaroo or Outside Lands or you know the the famous ones, right? And what is it that makes those gatherings um so meaningful that you know tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people buy tickets to go connect with one another to go play basically right like if you said for instance and that's a perfect example if it's like uh you're in the middle of a huge project with a team and one of your teammates is like sorry can't work this weekend going to bonnaroo burning man Coachella, you know, you're like, sure. oh, well, it must be nice. Have fun, you know, <laughs> go have fun. You know, right. you're definitely not working when you're yeah. at a festival and that we, we would, you know, you're definitely not working at a festival. Right. That, that's the, I hadn't thought of that in that. Unless that you're framework. putting on like, the festival. <laughs> right. I will be working at the one that we're doing. Right. But, uh, I will not be, the, I will the, be there playing. Yeah, yes. Yes. I, I, please. Um, tell all your friends about it. Uh, this idea of creating moments of play that in on our particular festival, you know, it's music. So it's about dance. It's about uh, the gear that, that, you know, is to go play in the outdoors. It's about film. It's about ideas and putting people together in one area, you know, 14 acres in downtown Denver um, where those connections um, happen because people are just basically going to play together and this article, you know, touched on that, like that play uh, really does promote inclusivity and cooperation and creativity and adaptive ap- adaptivity um, in animals and humans. And I, I, I think that's so interesting. Um, you know, it's something to remember with, with our kids, something to remember with our friends that, uh, you know, finding and it's cool in your 10 things that you've, and I know that in your book that you're going to explore that, that it's, is kind of this, maybe it's a new, you know, I think we're, we're evolving around, like, it's not cool to not sleep at all. Right. I think, but 20 years ago, certainly, yeah. And certainly even 15 years ago when we were, we were working together on a daily basis we were not sleeping that much. We were working super hard. We were playing super hard as well, um, but we were sacrificing sleep. And I think both of us at that point, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of felt like that was like a badge of what we were doing. Like we yes. don't sleep, you know, because we, 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 we don't have to yeah. because we're built that way, which is like such bullshit, <laughs> but also, you know, was kind of like you know people oh i only need four hours of sleep right it's a it's um, a pay now or yeah. pay later thing 
to be clear. Yeah, totally. And maybe perhaps, you know, and that has come so far, like with wearables and, and what we, how we, the sleep hygiene and, you know, especially in the last like five years, I think that's really accelerated so that anyone who's paying attention is basically just saying what your mom said is like, you need to sleep, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, and maybe play is, uh, on the verge of that a little bit yeah. too, where there's, um, you know, this tech and science approach to things, maybe puts it into focus for professionals a little bit that it's important. Um, you know, and an outside, we, we've talked about this before on the show, like you said, go for, you know, go for a walk or like getting outside is our mission, right. To get everyone outside because we really do believe on a health level that, that is essential to being human and to connectivity and and connection between other people. So like getting outside to me is sort of like going playing, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a classic thing that you've heard from your parents, like, you know, go outside. (laughs) Um, And what were they saying when they were saying go outside, like go explore, go play, um, you know, uh, have that, that canvas to, to explore as, as a young person. And I I just find it really interesting that in my, and I'm talking to myself on this, like, I think I've become less playful for sure. You know, as, as I've, (laughs) I've gotten, you you know, probably, you know, you, you've witnessed it, um, more serious, more earnest, more, um, yeah. Obsessed with work. Right. And, that uh that's not something i'm i guess as i reflect that i'm like yeah are you proud of that uh, or are you disappointed or frustrated or yeah i think it's i mean i'm not like beating myself up about i think i'm just having kind of a realization that um and as we were talking about before the show having two really young kids um just that being playful and fun is really important um but not just for young kids, but also like for yourself and for your community. And so it's, it's kind of this irony because I'm working incredibly hard right now and on this build, right. We're building something from that's, you know, doesn't exist. So that's always like takes, takes those huge pulls of very late nights, like just to keep it moving and, um, and everything's out of balance it's kind of coming into more balance and I find it ironic that the thing I'm working on, like you were saying is about creating play um, (laughs) and making me kind of realize like, okay, well, you know, I have to apply that to myself in, in the, in that journey too. And the product will be better as a result. Like, you know um, yeah. So I'll stop there. I don't know. You know, let me, let me be point blank. What are you going to do about it? Well, um, I have a huge uh, calendar, 2024 calendar that I'm looking at that I'm mindfully lining up um, more structured play. Yeah. Uh, go on a surf trip. To me, that's like my favorite play would be to go on a surf trip right now at this point in my life. Um, you know, trying to in in the life that i'm i have right now with a family and job and build and you know it does 
it has to be a little bit structured as far mm-hmm. as, you know, as we're talking about discipline, like I have yep. to be more disciplined about my play. But that's um, fine. That's but fine. I, I think what, I want people to know that that's actually a great place to start. Like put something on the calendar that you look forward to, even if it's, uh, you know, I have this many hours, this many days, this many weeks, like whatever the thing is, like block it off, put it on the calendar. That's thing one. That's a win. Now keep going, you know? So as I'm listening to you, you have something on the calendar, you have a surf trip. Nice job. That's a win for you. That's play. Now, how do you like, what's the next step? What's the next thing you can do? Is it another trip? Is it a daily thing? Are you going to start playing ice hockey on, you know, Thursday nights? Like, I I don't know what the thing is, but this is how this is the ugly, awkward, imperfect way of starting to remedy what has been a problem. And even the process of incorporating play, it sounds out of whack that you have to have a structured approach to introducing play, but that's something instead of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that that's the, the first part is the realization of like, am I becoming like all work and no play makes like, you know, CJ a dull boy. Right. Like, and I, that is probably true. Um, and what, you know, what, what sort of prompts that I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but I do think looking at it from a framework perspective and saying, forcing yourself a little bit to, we're also like super, you know, you could pull in screens and, you know, other, yep. there are other factors that are, and we talk about this a lot at outside. There are tremendous addictive factors. And we've talked about screens also on this, on this show and yeah. other conversations that are driving us into like staying inside and, and not having the kind of play that I, I imagine, which is more that animal like play, right? Like frolicking with other human beings in one way or another dance, physical activity, uh, chess, right? Like whatever it might be chess in the part, you know, uh, whatever it might be that, um, brings you connection, but also like that, that kind of playful joy. Um, so I'm, that's part of something that, you know, we've talked, I think maybe the one of the last shows we talked about, like my commitment to, uh, less screen time. Right. Um, and I've, I've not been great about that, but up and down more awareness on it. And this is kind of something I'm thinking about right now, which is, um, I believe the outputs in all places in my life will be better if I play more. And there are certainly these huge examples of like, the, some of the biggest companies and, and best in the world, if you mm-hmm. want to take it to that, like how did Apple start? How did Google start? You know, like these were kind of playful um, tinkering, like you said, right. That led to, to breakthroughs and exploration. And I think we are also in danger. Like it's a, we have so much access to information that it's easy to spiral into seriousness. Yeah. Right. And there are some very serious things in the world. There is climate change. There is horrible war that we're all very aware of. Like those things are serious and they're not fun and they're not playtime. Right. Um, But I also think that we don't, we probably have a less of a chance of, of advancing the solutions to those things. If we don't um, for sure sleep enough and play enough, right? Like, um, yeah. So lots to unpack there. Um, I'm making a handful. I don't have any paper in front of me and I 
want to resist typing while we're talking here because sometimes you can hear that on the show and drives me bananas. But um, a couple things to unpack. One, I want to remind you that there is a great uh, a woman named Priya Parker who's been a guest on the show. She has written a book about gathering, which is really interesting given what you're working on right now, getting people together. It's very much about setting an intention and making people understand that that you know is, is an intention. For example, if you go to a dinner party, like you know, it's a potluck or it's a you know, if, if I don't, you, you think that it's people are just coming over, but it turns out that if you set an intention, it's like you're going to bring a potluck and you're responsible for the salad, and you're responsible for the dessert, you you know, it's like that. Those are actually intentions that actually help human beings orient and you know basically put their guard down, be more open, inclusive, all these things that we would consider to be benefits to a gathering. You're doing mm. one for, you know, a hundred thousand people. <laughs> I'm talking about a dinner party here, but the, the, you know, analogously, there's some really valuable overlap. And again, I had her on the show. She's great. It's a great episode. Priya Parker is her name. P-R-I-Y-A Parker. Um, so that came to mind. The the play part also made me want to um, reference uh, a friend of mine, Charlie Hone. Charlie used to work for Tim Ferriss, which is how I met Tim. Right, sorry, how I met Charlie. Spending a, a weekend with Tim, and and Charlie was putting this event uh, on that I was at with Tim, and in service of a, a goal that Tim had professionally, and got a bunch of us together in a special location, and. Shortly after that, basically Charlie had a breakdown and because he was just working way too hard, like taking drugs to you know stay awake and to focus and you know all kinds of neurotropics and just name it. he he goes I'm not revealing anything that's not been said publicly, but uh and in light of that, in the wake of that, rather, he wrote a book called Play It Away. And the lens on that book is play as a relief from anxiety. Um, and what he prescribes, and it is something that I have been a champion of this book, I've recommended it hundreds of times to, you know, certainly tens of thousands of people of this is an example here mentioning on the show, um, the concept of intentionally playing and the way that he instructs us to do this is look at things in your childhood that were absolutely blissful for you and how can you introduce that into your life in small constrained ways like have a beginning a middle and an end you know it's one hour it's whatever and what were some things that you really loved as a kid let's just say uh, uh legos you loved legos when you were nine so do you love puzzles then as an adult so you set aside some time to build puzzles and let your brain so you have a puzzle room or in the, in the extra, the guest bedroom where no one sleeps, you're going to go in there and you can have a, 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 whatever the thing is, Charlie's example, which I think is, is prudent to share here. Um, this is more in line with my particular, uh, vibe, but he talks about, he used to love to go to the batting cages. And so what he did is he bought 50, you know, used hard balls, 50 or a hundred couple like I think two five gallon buckets and a bat. And he would go, I think every other day or something to a park with a friend who lived down the street and they would each throw like soft pitch 
50 baseballs and they would just rope them all over this big field. And then they would walk around together and collect them. And then they want the other guy throws it for the other guy and just rope these baseballs all over the place and kind of like 30 minutes each. And after an hour, they like high five and they go their separate ways, but it is just a constrained play that brought him a ton of joy, brings back childhood. And when you're playing in a similar way that you played as a childhood, it sort of, there's this amplification of play because you played more as a young person and you got out of this sort of work mode and this mindset that I'm a responsible adult and what that looks like and feels like. And it gets down to that more primal, scientific, neurological, biological level where play is super, super helpful. So hmm. stream of consciousness there. But I think, you know, to me, those things are interesting, relevant uh, resources for people to check out. And I personally have employed this sort of play thing and it's just pure gold. Yeah, that's good. Those are great recommendations. Um, uh, uh, Priya Park Parker. And Charlie Hone. Um, I love that idea of the uh, the the uh, dinner party. You know, I just was thinking about that, riffing on that, off that, on in terms of what we're building with the outside festival. That you know, we're bringing all these different. Um, you know, if you think of like the salad and the sides and the main, and um, one of the things that outside has that is so cool and, and why I love working there is that we have all these um, brands, like you mentioned, outside magazine is actually part of outside Inc. Right. Mm-hmm. Yoga journal, ski magazine, climbing magazine, uh, backpacker, uh, women's running, trail running, sure. pink bike, velo. And if you, it, it, as we're trying to construct this, that's kind of the way, if you think of it as a dinner party, which I'm doing because of what you just said, that, you know, we're asking Yoga Journal to bring this, the side of yoga, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Velo and Pink Bike to bring the cycling main, right? And so that there's going to be all of these different um, communities that come together into one big, huge gathering of connectiveness so that's really about sustainability, inclusivity, creativity. And that, that, that idea of a dinner party, like a vibrant dinner party where the, the connective, the connectedness that the person who walks in that has to their macaroni salad that they made with love, right. Actually adds to the entire thing in a very authentic way versus if you're like, come over, I'm going to have catering. And that's great too. But like, you know, not in the same way when everyone is participating in something and they're bringing something um, to that, to that gathering. So I love that yeah. analogy of, uh, I'm, I'm going to utilize that with the team that, um, we're, we're, uh, working on this with to, to try to get that across on, you know, each of those communities bringing a playful dish, um, yeah. if you will, that the attendees can really, um, feast on, right. Just yeah. metaphor after metaphor yeah. chase. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're steeped in them now. <laughs> You know, Priya's work is really interesting. She talks a lot about sort of setting the intention and having other people know the intention, then they can show up, you know, on it or adjacent to it or tangential to, you know, it's like, then there's a sort of an interactivity that happens with how, if it's a costume party, how deep am I going to roll? Am I going all in on my costume or am I going to, you know, what's my twist? And there's some individuality Mm. that you show up with because of that. And no one's surprised like 
how many times have you gone to a costume party and you didn't get the memo and oh it's a black and white ball and i'm in blue jeans and <laughs> and a, a tank top i'm trying to think of the most awkward thing but um it, it, to me there's a, there's just some interesting aspects that whip together play interaction connectivity creativity um and, and yeah i think the play yeah and ho- hopefully it uh to bring it back to the getting stuck thing you know hopefully these kind of really thought provoking creative uh gatherings that are part of my work right now can can really help inspire people to like bump out of if they're experiencing like the big rut right yeah. like the big yeah. stuck um in finding meaning and connection and you know i'm sure that the the work of priya touches on that in terms of like how important i mean obviously gathering is also like an incredibly important part of the human experience like in the same way but i think there's a connection there with the play part you know that it's not just about like we talked about this if you do an educational event that's great but it's a different approach than a festival right like come learn something earnest um versus come celebrate all of these things that we value yeah 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 dance and and uh creativity and um so yeah i I think that that's uh hopefully there's some inspiration to you know and i don't know if this is the solution if you're feeling stuck but like sometimes going to a a show like and seeing just mastery uh of music or art uh or a film can can help like uh create that little goat path in your neural uh, sort of pathways of like, oh, that's a new direction, right? Um, yeah. You know, I think we build these pathways of of routine and habit to a degree that are like a highway that tractor trailers are just like, and it's so much easier to drive on that because it's it's the way, right? Yep. It's one, it's A to B, like you said, north to south earlier in our conversation. And sometimes it takes some little distraction or disruption for you to slow down and notice, wow, that's like a little, little, like literally a goat path off of this highway that leads into this brush that uh, is a place I haven't explored. And I'm going to go down, I'm going to start to go down that way and, and trod that and sort of brush, you know, push down the grass a little bit and start to, to get off the, your, your typical highway of routine which would be work, right? To a certain yeah. degree, um, right. habit. You know, uh, yeah, ha- habit, work, and and again, kind of like maybe makes us uh, less fun and more dull. And um, and again, back to that quote of like the opposite of play isn't work; it's depression. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that's uh, well, something Dr. To, Joe to consider. Doctor Joe Dispenza, um, who basically sort of like a. I don't know, a meta psychologist or someone who has done a lot of work, quantum field uh, of sort of awareness and, you know, neurology. And I think the way he talks about it is sort of neurons and Tony Robbins talks about this too. Neurons that fire together, wire together. And these paths, what you thought yesterday, it's safe for your brain to think the same thing that it thought yesterday. And your brain and our biology, our neurology prefer an uncomfortable, f- 
familiar, sorry, a familiar, disappointing experience to an unfamiliar, potentially joyful experience, Mm. because that is that programs us for survival. Because if we're not changing a lot, then we don't have to adapt, and then we just know yesterday looks like today, and today looks like tomorrow. Therefore, I feel safe. Cool. Let's just keep this going as long as possible. Like that's what your human biology is saying. So we, I can have kids and my kids can have kids. Like that's the function. Right. Those, those parts are not meant, th- those are not the like the most human parts. Those are not the parts that light us up because it is hopefully in that universe where we have a long life and we can reproduce multiple generations that we're also playing, that this play vector is distinct and separate and therefore requires intention because your biology is sort of working against you. And if mm. you can, if you know this, that you can decide to go on that goat path and it is journeying down that goat path that disconnects that super highway where we all fall into, you've heard the concept of a rut, right? There's, there are neurological ruts that we get in. And a lot of those are how we feel when we wake up in the morning. If we, if it's like yesterday and yesterday we felt not that great, but we got through it, that your biology actually seeks that as the lowest path, sort of like water because it can serve energy. And it, you know, it's like, it's not about to make you happy. So if, if happiness is the goal, joy, fulfillment, these things that we are seeking you and me personally, I think white, white, someone would listen to the show right now. That's why I'm writing the book is that's what we want. We want to maximize these things. So therefore the goat path, doing something different, going to a show, even when you're stuck, finding a way to play that's not in a sense of procrastination, but as a willingness to go there to get unstuck, like that is magic to me. Mm. Yeah. I like that realization, understanding of that. There's a bias. We all have a bias, deep seated bias for survival, right? Mm-hmm. And biological that can kind of cut both ways too. If you are, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely speaking from a place of like a lot of choice, a lot of privilege. Like if you are in a place of survival, very also hard to like see that go path. Right. It, meaning like if For you're sure. just, even, even the, the stress that you're feeling of the weight of this deadline, like it, it it probably kicks in that survival uh, mode a little bit, which is something like, you know, you should be spending all of your time on this thing because it is the, the most, it's the priority. Um, And it would seem frivolous to, you know, to, to host this podcast with your buddy or to go to a show. And to be fair, I'm white, I'm male, I'm born in America. I'm born in this century this time. Like there's an infinite amount of privilege that, to be frustrated and thinking about, you know, the book deadline uh, and not to be aware of it. I think it's really prudent that you, you know, you and smart of you to remind us of this, that there are different levels of survival. And I still think it's true that trying to find some level of play in, you know, man's search for meaning, Viktor Frankl was in a concentration camp and he's at, you know, the, the stories that we tell ourselves that he's telling himself and his, you know, those people who are with him, like that creates actual meaning in life. So, you know, it's that it's true in the small sense and true in the largest sense to be 
you know, as, as I just articulated, uh, the benefits, but also aware of privilege to be aware of how big on the scale is delivering the book on time relative to providing food for your family, for example, or. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, that's not, I wasn't tr- trying to call that out as much as that we all have a perception sometimes of our own priority of survival. Like, yes, all the things you said about the privilege that you and I have are true. And that doesn't change the stress that you might feel about this book being due. Like that is a mental framework of stress and that is the priority. And we can snap into a survival mode that is, I have to drive really hard at at work in one way or another. Mm And the difference between a single mom, you know, in Guatemala City, right, like, and you hitting your book deadline, like, we can recognize that that gap, but also that it it probably isn't a bad thing for either of those on that continuum to find relief in play somehow to oh, make sure. the experience come together better, right? Um, and, I mean, going back to the analogy of sleep, like... If if you believe some of this research around play, then that that's a line between like you have to get out of survival mode and make sure you sleep enough. You can't yeah. you can't sleep three hours a night to make ends meet or to hit your deadline. Um, that's not going to actually help you get the thing that you are trying to get to survive. So yep. sleep play like you know that's that's uh that's what some of this research is suggesting that it's actually like a a super important foundational uh, part of this yeah, yeah. This part of discovery and um which i th- find really interesting you know i i think that that's uh it's 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 a place that i, I want to try to and i also just am you know i like to eat things i like to play I like you know these things are you know basic basic part of of uh being human but what's anyway the, what, i think what, we're, what's, what's the yeah. uh, what, what's the uh um episode or not the episode issue is there uh you have a date on that or yeah it's uh the january 2024 issue of national geographic the cover is uh saving the monarchs about monarch butterflies mm-hmm. and uh it's one of the first stories um and it's uh, it's by uh, Sadie Dingfelder. We need play, comma seriously. Adults tend <laughs> to dismiss it as silly or childish, but having fun may be fundamental to the survival of our species. Um, that is a great place. Good for thoughts. Us to great. Yeah. Put a, put a pin in it. And Chris Gerard, I really always I always really appreciate connecting with you, my friend, and to do so publicly around things that are near and dear to us i think relevant to those that you know the the people who sign up to hear our show uh this what is it now like 14 almost 15 years running 2009 i don't know yeah crazy crazy um thank you again for being a guest dear friend i appreciate you anything you want to say before uh we ride off into the sunset I just, it's sorry it's like oh thanks it's thanks like 11 so in the morning and pouring rain here so i don't know if it's just yeah <laughs> no i uh seattle standard um <laughs> yeah thanks for having me i'm yeah I, I love these conversations i'm honored to be 
in such good company with the the guests that you have on um much more accomplished than myself but uh, i i have the uh great fortune of, of being a friend of yours so i get slotted in okay. here uh hey. and i would say yeah check out the outside festival that's a, that's the thing i'm working on right now uh to all of these points um you know bring bring people together around some of these key pillars of sustainability creativity inclusivity uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be I a lot be of there. play yeah. i will be there yeah. in case anyone cares maybe we can get together yeah uh do some sort of an event thanks again for being on the show chris uh to all those out there in the world from my dear friend christopher gerard and myself we both bid you an amazing day and adieu until next time All right. Hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests, either on social media or through my text community, all of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive, positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing this show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together. Together.